So welcome to the first week of Advent. And the first week of Advent is all about hope. And I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up um, celebrating the tradition of Advent. The first, so I had to kind of learn about that as an adult. So Advent is the first four weeks prior to Christmas in which we, we wait on God and we contemplate and we think about what God has done. And so the, the themes of Advent, the first one's hope, and then there's peace, joy, love, and then finally it all culminates on Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so today we get to talk about hope. And um, I don't know how you talk about hope, but sometimes when I hear people talking about hope, we kind of equate it to a wish, um, kind of like a genie in a bottle or something like that. This last week I saw in the news and I was, I was reading through some news articles and I saw an article about the mega million um, jackpot and it's a lottery. And evidently in October, I don't follow the lottery news, but evidently, I, I, I recently learned this week that in October, um, it hit like all-time high at $1.5 billion, billion like with a B, billion, okay? And, um, and, and it, everyone was just kind of frantic about it, at least people who buy lottery tickets. And hey, if you buy a lottery ticket, no judgment at all, because... Evidently, in October, there was one winning ticket that sold in South Carolina. Now, that ticket hasn't been presented yet, and so we don't know who has that ticket, but someone won a whole bunch of money in October. Hopefully, they know it, and they didn't actually just toss the lottery ticket. But what was interesting to me as I was thinking about the lottery is that they were saying the chances of winning that jackpot were 1 in 300 million. Those were your odds, one in 300 million. And so sometimes we think of hope as, you know, this, this long shot, that Hail Mary pass, that lottery ticket that we have a one in 300 million chance of winning. Or other times we think of, of hope kind of in, in the sense of a child's wish. And I don't know about you guys, but my kids love to blow dandelion flowers and it's just like this magical moment for them where they see all this beautiful fuzzies go all over and as a parent you're watching all these dandelion seeds land all over your yard and you're like oh that's a beautiful moment but I hate it so sometimes you know we think of hope as this whimsical wish this thing that probably won't happen that's not really real but we, we can still hope And so today as we talk about hope, I want to give us a new definition of hope. We talk about biblical hope. It's very different than some whimsical wish. So I want to go with this definition of hope. Hope is a confident expectation of God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promises. Let's read that again. A confident expectation, so expecting confidently, that God is faithful to do what he says he will do. And we have this hope because we know this God and we know a lot about this God and and we have scriptures that tell us the story of God and there's a lot of hope in that story. 
If you look at the Old Testament, um, I'd like to just recap just, just briefly the story of Israel. And because God had chosen Israel to be his people through which he revealed himself to humanity. And he started a covenant with a man named Abraham. And he promised Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and that through him, all nations would be blessed. And Abraham went to have a son, Isaac, who had Jacob, who had the 12 sons, and one of whom was Joseph, who went to Egypt. And we just studied recently as a church, we talked through the Exodus story, and we saw how Israel grew into a great nation, and yet they were enslaved in Egypt. And so God sent Moses to draw them out of Egypt, and God revealed his powerful and merciful nature as well by giving chance after chance for, for Pharaoh to let his people go. And, and Moses brings Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, into the land of Canaan, which God had promised Abraham hundreds of years ago that he would give him, and God fulfills that promise. And he has a covenant with his people. And yet the story of Israel is one of a turbulent roller coaster with a whole bunch of ups and downs. And we see how Israel continually breaks the covenant with God and suffers the consequences of that broken covenant. And what's interesting to me is God knew from the beginning that Israel would not keep their side of the bargain, that Israel would break the covenant. And and in that in that culture, once one party breaks the covenant, then the other party is no longer bound by that covenant. Like the, the covenant is, is no longer binding. And yet God so loved Israel that he continually over and over reestablishes his covenant with Israel and offers them hope. And that's what I want to talk about today. Let's look, we're going to look at Jeremiah 29. And, and the context of Jeremiah 29 is, is, um, is pretty rough. So things had gotten really bad in Israel. So bad that they had completely turned their backs on God and worshiping pagan gods such as Baal and Moloch. And it, it was so bad that they were sacrificing their children to these idols. Things that as a parent is just unfathomable to me. And as a consequence of that broken covenant with God, um, Babylon conquers Israel and takes over and takes them all into exile. And this is where Jeremiah, the prophet, is speaking into this situation amidst Israel's great upheaval and suffering. Here's what Jeremiah says in chapter 29. We'll, we'll skip around a little bit. We'll start in verse 5. He says, build houses and settle down. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And jumping down to verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So in the midst of Israel's great upheaval, great suffering, God says, settle down, 
where I've placed you. Seek peace and wait for my deliverance. For 70 years, wait until I deliver you. And wait expectantly because I have plans to give you hope and I have plans to give you a future. And this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, you've probably heard it before um, because it's super popular in like coffee cups and little plaques because it, it, it shows how God is for us. And yet often we forget the story leading up to this verse that Israel is in trouble and there's a lot of suffering going on. And instead of moving away from Israel, God moves closer to Israel. And God comes in and God offers hope and says, this is not what I have planned for you. I have more planned for you and it's coming. Seek me, call on me, pray and I will listen. You will find me. I have hope for you. Cause, cause God is faithful even when Israel is not faithful to God. He's a God who offers hope and does not give up on us. Isaiah 40 describes this God. He says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love that. Love verse 31. God offers hope and a renewed strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. I don't know about you, but as a kid, I always daydreamed about having superpowers. Anyone else here daydreamed about having superpowers? Yes. And almost always, my superpower was to fly. Because I wanted to soar above the earth. And I wanted to feel the wind in my face. And I imagined such freedom in that. Oh, if I could fly, I could go anything. I, I could go anywhere. I could be anything. I could do anything. And so I love this imagery here. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God is a God that offers hope and renewed strength. He makes us soar on wings like eagles. So considering today as we talk about hope, what does this hope look like in our life? What does it look like for us today? I know this last week there was a lot of hopeful talking in our, at our household, um, because with Thanksgiving comes the beginning of Christmas wish lists. And uh, my girls have been uh, working really hard to write down everything they want. And I say hopeful. I put hope in, in quotation marks there because it's not, um, they don't write their list with confident expectation that this will happen. They write their list more as, as a wish, as a whimsical wish. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had this? And um, it was interesting watching them write their list, and I thought I'd share their list with them. So the first picture here I have with you, uh, the first picture here I have is Alyssa's list. And if you'll notice, it has about seven items 
on there. Um, neat handwriting, cursive, very well thought out. And then here's Rachel's list. <laughs> I forgot the, the tally now. Oh, it's 48. 48 items on Rachel's list. Everything from slime to spy equipment, I see. I see also something about unicorns on there. I mean, it's, it's all over, all over the place. And I remember one of, uh, one of the evenings this week, I don't remember which evening it was, Mike and I were sitting on the couch. The girls had just gone to bed, and they're sharing a room right now. And we just heard all this giggling and these outbursts of laughter. And, and I kind of holler in there a little bit, okay, girls, it's time to settle down and fall asleep. And, uh, and Rachel yells back, I can't, Mom. I need you to add something to my list for me. And I, so I get up and I go, and I'm like, what is it? What is so important that we need to add to your list? And she was like, I really want a massage chair. <laughs> and she's laying in her bed pretending what it would be like to have a massage chair. And then she looks and she says, Mom, I hope I get a massage chair. I don't even think she's ever been on a massage chair, at least not one that's like turned on. So I have no idea where that came from. But it sure is hilarious to, to watch them and, to, and, and for them to use that word hope. I think one is for sure interested in quality and the other child is for sure interested in quantity when it comes to, to gifts. But we toss that word hope around a lot. Um, so again, what does hope look like for us? And what is it that we're putting our hope in? You know, Advent, the season of anticipation and waiting on God, it's all about putting our hope in God and not in other places or other things. Psalm 130, starting in verse 5, says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For the Lord is unfailing. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. We're to put our hope in the Lord because he is faithful to his word, because his love is unfailing, and because he himself in Jesus redeems us from sin. So the story of Jesus is it begins with God, this all-powerful, loving, almighty God coming down and being born as a tiny baby. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. But the story continues that he grew and he taught and he modeled a life of love. And then he died on the cross to redeem humanity from sin. And then he rose from the dead, demonstrating his power and authority. And now with open arms, he invites us to accept the hope that he offers us. He invites us to accept freedom. There's a pastor named uh, Rich Veladas, and uh, I read one of his articles today, and I wanted to read a quote from it today. He said, Advent reminds us that God has come, is coming, and will come again. 
It's the annual reminder that God is for creation and moves towards us. I love that, that God has come, is come, and will come. And that God is for his creation and moves towards us. So it's with confident expectation that we anticipate Christmas, that cele- the celebration of Jesus' birth, that our Savior has come, our Savior has come and been born. It's with confident expectation that we anticipate and look for how God's working in us and through us and around us today in the present. In the present. And it's with confident expectation that we anticipate and await Jesus' second coming when we will be with God for eternity. And so to hope and to wait on God doesn't, isn't a, a passive posture where we sit and we twiddle our thumbs and wonder, you know, what he's going to do. But rather to hope is an active posture of confident expectation to be looking for God, to be seeking God, to wait for God to show us the next step while we're actively completing the step he's already shown us, to walk with him. So there's an aspect of hope that's, that's both past, present, and future. And we see this in Romans 5. This will be the last verse that we go to today. But Romans 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. So this is the past. Because of what Jesus has done, because he came, he died, and he rose, we have peace with God. We have been justified And it continues, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. So boast in English can have a negative connotation. Um, In Greek, it it can totally not have that negative connotation. It can also be translated rejoice. So we, we rejoice, we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God, the future of having an eternity with God when our salvation is complete. And then in verse 3, and not only that, but we also boast in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So in the present, we boast in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Now, we don't rejoice because we're suffering. No one wants to suffer, but rejoice because in the midst of our suffering, we still have hope. And this hope is from God, and this hope does not disappoint us. This hope is because we are experiencing the love of God and experiencing the Holy Spirit working in us. I love um, how the message describes this passage. So the message is a paraphrase of the Bible, meaning that um, instead of like a translation, which is a lot more literal, a paraphrase of the author takes a lot more liberties and can add a little bit of his interpretation. And the message is a great paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. And uh, this is what the first couple verses of chapter 5 sound like in the message. By entering through faith into what God has, all, has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him and make us fit for him, 
We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. Now, I never have it all together, so I love, I love that. We have it all together with God because of Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. So God has thrown open his door to us, and he invites us into the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. So whatever we face in this life, God offers hope. And this makes us alert and expectant, looking for where God is offering hope, looking for what God is doing in our lives, in us, through us, and in our world around us. When we, when we put our hope in God, it reorients our life. It reorients our perspective to see God's activity to remember what he has done in the past through Jesus, to look forward to what he will do for us in eternity, and then to also see what he's doing right here, right now, through the Holy Spirit. Hope offers us a place in the larger story of God's relationship with humanity. So whatever you're facing, and I don't know what season you're in right now, but whatever you're facing, whatever I'm facing, I know that there's hope to be found in God. And maybe it's, maybe it's some struggling relationships. And hope reminds us that God is powerful to restore those relationships. Maybe it's, it's an emotional struggle that we're having right now. And hope tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that when we're hurting, he walks with us and he draws near. Maybe it's sin. And when we sin, hope tells us that God is a God who frees people from bondage. And God breaks chains. Maybe you're you're dealing with some big life changes. There's just a lot of unknown right now in your life. And hope reminds us that God is for us and that he will guide and he will provide. Whenever things seem to be spiraling out of control, which for some of us is like more often than others, I feel like, God offers hope. God offers hope. And we need this hope, and then people all around us need this hope. You know, we, we live in a, in a very wealthy country in many respects, and yet there's a great poverty of hope around us, uh, a real lack of confident expectation in God around us. And this is across all, all types of demographics, socioeconomic, and different backgrounds. I mean, just across the board, there's a poverty of hope. And it can lead to a lack of vision for what life can be. It can lead to this belief that life is just made up of my daily routines and what I do and what I see around me. And yet there's so much more. There's so much more going on around this that God has done, that God is doing, and that God will do. God offers us hope, and then he, he asks us to be agents of his hope. 
So what if our church, what if the church at large were people filled with hope and that, that God's hope would just overflow out of us? What if the people here at the Vine, our little community, was known in the Tri-Cities as that's a community where you can go to find hope? I mean, wouldn't that just be amazing? What if our conversations were full of what God was doing in our lives and that how we have, and that describe the hope that we have in Him, that our interactions with people would point, point people to God. Because you never do talk about us being people of hope. This hope doesn't come from us. This isn't our, our hope that we create. And it's not that I can give someone hope, but this hope is from God. And, and we can be a people of hope because we look to God and we point others to God because God is the author of hope. God is the redeemer. God is a God of unfailing love. He's one who renews our strength. He makes us soar on wings like eagles. He offers us hope and asks us to be agents of his hope. So that's our invitation today. Our invitation is to remember that God has thrown open the doors to us, to the wide open spaces of his grace, And that if we walk through those doors, we can find a hope that is anchored in God and not in our external circumstances. We can find freedom and redemption from our struggles and our sin. We can find our purpose and our place, find our part in the larger story of God's relationship with humanity, of God loving and moving towards his creation. And we can be people of hope in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our community. That's my prayer for us today. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this hope that you offer. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus and how coming here to earth, Lord, and and living a life of love and showing us how you want us to live, Lord, in his death and resurrection. Lord, we thank you for how all of that gives us an immense amount of hope and a hope that nothing can take away. Lord, we pray today that you would fill us with hope. Lord, that you would remind us that you are a faithful God who fulfills all your promises, Lord, and that this hope in you does not disappoint. Lord, we ask that as we leave here, you would help us to overflow with your hope and that we would be agents of hope with with our neighbors, with our co-workers. Lord, here in our little place in Tri-Cities, Lord, that we would radiate your hope to everyone that we know. Lord, we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we leave here today, may God's hope orient our life and our perspective to see where he is working. Have a great week.